0: The Crux of the Matter, Episode 54, 1 Timothy, Chapter 6. Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors, for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And this is Scott Stigmeyer, professor at Concordia Irvine. Hello, Scott. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing just wonderfully. Good. Good, good. I am doing wonderfully, too, because yesterday I turned my taxes over to my accountant.
1: Oh, that feels good.
0: Yeah. Um, last year, I got my taxes done in a very timely October. So uh, um, getting them done before April 15th is kind of a big deal for me. So yeah, that yeah. makes me um, both uh, giddy and strangely sad. <laughs> so yeah. we'll see how it turns out. I We usually don't end up at, owing much, if anything, and even get something back. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's
1: a big thing for us clergy who have to do our taxes. Yep. Do you use
0: an accountant for taxes? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I, I used, um, Whitmer tax service for years and years. That was the one in Fort Wayne. And when we moved out here, I switched to somebody who's actually in Whittier, not too far from you. And, uh, and I like them very much. So, uh, I, I, I don't know, I could probably do it myself, but I have a hard enough time uh, dealing with my own finances, trying to do my own taxes just seems torturous. Right. 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 I don't know. I don't know. We'd be lost without our tax
1: consultant. That's something that every pastor ought to th- certainly think about.
0: Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So what you been teaching lately? Well, um, you know,
1: since I teach church history here at Concordia, um, I have, um, I j- finished so that was a lot of fun you know you, oh yeah i mean we not only of course spent some time on martin luther but we got to talk about the english reformation and and uh, what fun that is and we talked about the counter reformation or the catholic reformation so um, i think the last topic that i actually addressed in class was the jesuits so you can imagine what good fun
0: that was oh i'm sure if you're going to if you're going to talk counter reformation you're going to talk jesuits that's absolutely no about that absolutely yeah they were kind of the uh i don't know the shock troops of the roman catholic church at least in terms of the reformation or counter reformation Something in that neighborhood. Well, and that's,
1: exact, that's exactly the term I use, too, frankly, <laughs> <laughs> the Funny. shock troops. Yeah. But I talked about them as missionaries as well because oh, they, you right. know, they, they did a lot of mission. Francis Xavier and so on. And, and then, of course, that led to talking about Pope Francis, who was a Jesuit. Right. Right,
0: right, right. The current,
1: the oh. current Pope was a Jesuit. He had to resign when he became bishop, but right. he was a Jesuit. Interesting. What was Benedict?
0: Do you remember I don't know. Um,
1: no, I don't know. I don't know if he was. And I don't he, even know if he was in an order. Right. I don't, I don't have any idea. Uh, it doesn't, re- nothing, nothing comes to mind.
0: Yeah. Me neither. Yeah, uh, Me neither. Well, we've been, uh, we've been teaching on Ephesians two, which is you know, certainly a fantastic chapter. Um, kind of two great big chiasms for you uh, Greek nerds. And uh, that's been, that's been a lot of fun. And we just finally got to genesis 21 so we finally got to the birth of birth of Isaac this week in bible class and that was uh and that was quite uh, uh quite a welcome relief we got a little bit uh, uh befuddled by the whole abimelech thing in chapter 21 i don't know if you remember this or not this thing where uh where there was an argument over a well and uh, anyway there's a lot of i feel like there are lots of cultural things even still in Genesis, I've taught it, I don't know, three or four times. Uh, there's still a lot of cultural things that I kind of scratch my head on. But yeah. it's good, though. It's fun. Oh, I love
1: teaching Genesis. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's it's great to go through all those those old stories and, and uh, talk about Abraham. I mean, you
0: get to talk about Abraham, the whole Joseph narrative. Oh, yeah. 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 I love it, too. It's arguably my favorite book to teach. Now, we would be seriously remiss, Scott, if we did not uh, point out that this is uh, we're recording this during the uh, octave of Easter. So we are on the uh, we are on the resurrection side of of Easter now, having gone through uh, gone through Holy Week and the great three days and uh, and the vigil and and Eastertide. Um, I would think that that was probably slightly odd for you this year, was it? I mean, since you were kind of on the other side of the pulpit as a listener, well, mostly. Yeah, I mean, I've been in this position
1: before, That's as you true. know. I've, I've been I've been in the pastoral ministry, and then in administrative work, and then back in the pastoral ministry, and now I'm a professor. Um, so I've been in the, in the position of going to the pew before. So it's not as strange as it was the first time. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, and yeah, it, it definitely is when you when you're going to these, especially these Holy Week services and you're not the one who's, you know, in charge of them and planning them and running them and preaching. Um, yeah, there's it, it, definitely a, a, fe- a strange feeling, but and not, it didn't it didn't hit me the same way this time. Hmm. I don't know why it just didn't hit me the, quite the same way as it did the first time when I was working at the seminary in Fort Wayne.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. This year, this is my sixth I think by 6th Easter 11 12 13 14 15. So yeah, my 6th Easter here. Um, and uh and I feel like we kind of finally gotten our stride just in sense of of the services and the movement and and what my expectations are of the musicians and what their expectations should be of me and so th- this year was actually by and large pretty relaxing if i can say that about holy week at least in comparison to to other years well, that's, some that's, some years i'm just dead i'm just yeah. dead and uh this year's yeah i was um i was well enough afterwards to do my taxes so um, that's good <laughs> yeah, cause, yeah that's saying a lot yeah there's no better way to celebrate the resurrection than doing your taxes mm-hmm. <sighs> well let's uh we should probably get to our topic at hand, which, by my reckoning, is First Timothy chapter six, and uh, I believe that it is your turn to read, Scott. So whenever yeah, I you're think ready, okay. Let me start uh, us off.
1: I will. I just realized though that I've got the NIV, and I prefer to read from the ESV. So let me just change that, right, real quick. Yep. No problem. And there we go. Okay it's it's changing I've got the I'm I reopened my web browser so I could gotcha. do this gonna okay go, here we go, go hunt it down again yep yeah here it is okay so first Timothy chapter six let all who are under a yoke as bond servants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the Ground that they are that they are brothers. Rather, they must all those who benefit service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching accord that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions. In constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessing the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you.
0: And that ends chapter six. That ends the book. So that's First Timothy chapter six, the end of the book. Yes, we've read it. Yep, <laughs> we've read it. <laughs> um, starts with slaves and ends with the rich. I'm not sure. Uh, I, I don't know. It's a I, this this chapter is kind of weird to me. I'm not quite sure why, but uh, but you, it just are, seems are you, odd. Are you talking about the the
1: organization of the material in the chapter that seems strange to you? It
0: just just seems very haphazard, I guess. I'm just not seeing. And maybe it's not organized. Maybe it is just a letter and he's kind of bringing stuff up as he thinks of them. But uh, yeah, and it's the end of the letter. Maybe he's running out of paper. It <laughs> <laughs> could be. I don't know. It could be. Now, uh-huh. I, I, and I realize that there are so many rabbit holes in this, but he does start with basically saying, if you're a slave, um, be a good one. <laughs> and if you're a master, be a good one. Don't be distru- dis, uh Don't be disrespectful. Um. So so he's not really interested in sort of uprooting the social classes of the society at the time. Was that your read of that?
1: I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, the slavery experience in the first century, you know, I mean, John Nordling, of course, is the expert in our circle on on slavery in the New Testament. But, sure. um, you know, I think it's a different animal in a lot of ways than the American experience of slavery. In the you know sixteenth yep. through the nineteenth centuries, whatever. Yeah. And um, but uh, you know, I mean, these were these were the social institutions, and and Paul is telling that if you're a bond servant to to regard your master was worthy of all honor, to respect him.
0: Yep. Yep. Then we get this whole paragraph on that that kind of moves again to uh to sort of very specific counsel for pastors. Uh and sp- and particularly we get this warning against false doctrine, a di- you know, anyone teaches a different doctrine um puffed up with conceit. It, you know, it sounds a little bit like the end of Romans for sure, at least to my hearing. Um mm-hmm. and uh although he he doesn't have the avoid them, but he sure holds up this picture of Of someone that teaches false doctrine as not having good motivations, you know, conceited, ignorant, uh, an unhealthy craving for controversy, quarrels about words, envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, constant friction, uh, deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So imagining Mm -hmm. that people are kind of uh, that that people are going to benefit or pastor is going to benefit from this by his false teaching. Um I don't know. I a, a part of what I wonder about with that Scott and maybe I'm crazy on this. Our tendency I think today is if someone is teaching false doctrine is to certainly give them the benefit of the doubt. To to uh, you know and and you do have to kind mm-hmm. of um couple this against you know Galatians you know, the Galatians five and six and the, you know, the language of um the language, the language about uh, about how we're to treat, uh, uh, treat the erring brother with gentleness. But this doesn't sound real gentle to me, Scott. Is that your kind of how you see this? No, no. Yeah. And I think the distinction is there's a
1: because he's talking about pastors. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's talking about, he's talking about pastors and erring brother. So, in other words, if you've got laity who are in error, um, to be gentle with them and, and kind and patient. But if you've got a pastor who's, who's teaching error, uh, that's a different, that's different.
0: Yep. You treat them differently. Yeah. That's the, um, that's the presumption here. I do think that, um, I do think that today, we don't tend to make that distinction that that um the presumption is is that anybody can make a mistake anybody can be wrong and therefore a pastor should be able to you know should be treated just like a layperson when it comes to when it comes to teaching and if they're if they're kind of off the off the rail on something and i don't want to be a hard nose but yeah paul is definitely saying Look, this is this is destructive. This is not just th- this is not simply a matter of semantics, but that this is destructive of the faith.
1: Oh yeah, and it's you're you're harming people. You're you're endangering people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it's like Jesus said, right? To whom much is given, much is required. Yeah. And, you know, if you have the office of of teaching and preaching the expectation is that you're going to be teaching purely pure doctrine. Now, you know, I mean, obviously you're going to put the best construction, you know, we're also going to obey the eighth commandment and put the best construction on things and, and, you know, not try to bear false witness based on rumors or something like that.
0: Sure. Sure. And, and that is um, in some ways easier to do today because uh, I can actually, you know, watch somebody's sermon on YouTube or whatever, um, mm-hmm. but harder today because um, it is so easy to fire off a response to something. So, you know, so easy to do quickly, etc. cetera.
1: Well, he, here's a, a verse, Todd, that I just flipped to that um, illuminates this a little more and is from okay. James is from James chapter three, verse one. And it says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Sure. I mean, I think that's exactly what's going on in First Timothy 6. You know, he's, he is judging with a greater degree of strictness. The, the, the standards are different when you're talking about a teacher of the faith than when you're talking about
0: a lay person who is maybe wandering and, or in error. Right, right. Now, just to, just to play the other side a little bit. Couldn't you make the argument that James is saying you're going to be judged by God? There, oh sure, oh sure, and not by I, the apostle or by other pastors. No, I think I mean I think
1: he is talking about God. I think he's definitely talking about God. But I mean, I think it's also fair to say that if God is judging you because of your teaching, then 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 you, we ought to be able to do the same thing. I mean, I think sure. there's a degree in there's a degree in which when you look at a pastor and you say he's teaching falsely. This is going to cause a lot more harm than a layperson who is simply misinterpreting a Bible passage, right. or, or has been led astray right. um, by a by a false
0: teacher. Yeah, no, I I, I certainly agree. Uh, he kind of spends the most time in this whole thing about uh, really talking about the temptation of money. Yeah, he he hits it several times. He does. I mean that whole. Um, six to 10 is basically about, um, really you could even go farther than that and say that six to 11 or 12 or further that, mm-hmm. that the love of the love of money is the, is the root of all kind of evil, all kinds of evils. Um, and, and I find it interesting that, that he holds that up as a temptation for pastors. Yeah. Now. I don't know. Maybe it's not helpful, but what do you think is the greatest temptation for pastors today in terms of what is going to tempt them to to go off the rails theologically?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if I I don't know, but I I definitely think financial um, allurements are huge. You know, I mean, if you have had the opportunity to go into a parish that was plush right that was that was wealthy that could afford to pay you well and you know and would have all sorts of benefits and perks but you knew that they practiced open communion and you knew that they you know had you know this or that error creeping in you know it would be I can and, and maybe you can and maybe you could and maybe you could go in there and fix it. But um, would you would you feel the same if it were a church that was poor and and was, would pay you poorly and had open communion and had right. other issues? Right. I, I think I
0: think financial allurement is still something that pastors. I mean, it's well uh, or I, or even maybe not on the macro scale, maybe on the micro scale is are we tempted to. Avoid preaching about certain sins because we oh, know sure, sure, that the big sure. givers um, struggle with this, or yeah, probably right. more more often, the big givers' children or grandchildren mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. I I certainly agree. It's a difficult. Well, one. you know, and we've talked about we've talked
1: about stewardship and we've talked about finances in the in the ministry before. But um, you know, do you you mentioned the big givers? Um, do you know, or you know, do you think it's good for a pastor to know who the big givers are? I mean, to actually have that inside knowledge.
0: Um, uh, I have gone back and forth on that in my own in my own ministry. Um, I could. Uh, in the past, I have, but I don't. I mean, I'm just trying to think real concretely here i don't believe Mm -hmm. that i have ever looked at at kind of direct giving one-to-one giving stuff here in Rockland. i don't think i could i i could tell you i mean i i look at the trends and that kind of stuff but Mm -hmm. i haven't i i do think that that you can it's it's not complicated to recognize that if someone is not giving then I mean, not not giving at all or barely giving, certainly uh, relative to their their financial situation. That 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 is an indication that for whatever reason they don't understand the importance of the church and of the preaching of the gospel. I mean, that's well, why.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I think that in fact that's an argument in favor of the pastor having some of this knowledge about who gives what. Because if you have someone that's not giving, there's a reason. There's a spiritual right. problem there, of a pastoral issue of some kind. You know, right. it, it, there's, you know, whatever it is, there's something. Because it's normal and natural to, I think, Christian to want to support the work of the gospel. Yep. And if someone isn't, then they're either giving all their money to some outside parachurch organization. Right. or Or they're withholding as a protest or they just – well, there's
0: something. Yeah. There's something there. Yeah. Or that, I mean, or simply they haven't been taught. I sure. mean, and I think that that is often the case today, especially when, at least here on the West Coast, the number of people that join the church that um, aren't lifers, yeah, you know, yeah. people that are relatively young in the faith, uh, that's certainly been going up. Since I even in the five years that I've been here, I've seen that, mm-hmm. and a part of what that means is is that is that some of those kind of secondary fruits, for lack of a better term, giving of money, of time, etc. Those things take a long, long time to foster. They yeah. do not just happen. That's no. for sure. No,
1: no, no. You're right, and I mean there is. There is a place for gospel-centered stewardship education.
0: Yeah, and I've been, and I've never been good at it. I won't pretend yeah, to, to be right. good at it. But, um, but we can maybe we should take that as another uh, as another topic some point because I think it would be worth it. Any, um, mm-hmm. I guess as as I'm looking at it, the the only the the one the one last thing that I wanted to observe was was uh, verse 20, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Mm-hmm. What do you think's going on with that? What does that, is that talking about, is that talking about his, um? is that talking about his ordination? You know, for you Romanists, uh is he, mm-hmm. you know, is that the do not neglect the gift that was given to you with the laying on of hands? Is that sort of a hearkening back to that? Or the deposit of faith that was passed on. I mean, he calls Timothy his son in the faith, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Any ideas? I'm, I think it's the latter. I, yeah. I don't think he's returning to the, um,
1: you know, referring to his own ordination. Um, you know, guarding what's been entrusted to you. I think he's, you know— I think he's talking about the tradition in the in the right sense of that word, what has been handed sure. over, sure. you know, the, 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 the kerygma, the gospel, the words of Jesus that have been handed to Paul and now Paul to, to Timothy. Um, and that, you know, now why, why the language of deposit? I mean, it, you know, I mean, when I think of deposit, I think of something like, you
0: know, you're a down payment. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know if that's if there's anything there but yeah I'm just looking at the word uh, a deposit it's it's paratheke, a deposit a thing committed to one's charge a trust it only it looks like it only appears in 1st and 2nd Timothy which is kind of interesting in its own in its own right yeah guard keep philoxon yeah so yeah I don't see anything there personally yeah. <laughs> Lots to, uh, yeah. lots to muse yeah, on. Right. So do you think we should No, do another I think, I think that's what he's doing. Or, do you think we should do another book, mm-hmm. Scott, or should we, should we, uh, go back to our topics for a while? Any, uh, any preferences or thoughts?
1: Well, I definitely want to do another book, but I think that we should do something else for at least a few weeks in between.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, and for our dear listeners, You can find the show notes for this episode at thecruxofthematter.net slash podcast slash 54. And I would encourage you to do so. Also, uh, leave us a comment or email us at feedback at thecruxofthematter.net. We'd sure appreciate hearing from you. If you have any suggestions on books that would be worthwhile for us to go through together, I think that that would be uh, that would also be a really, uh, really good thing to hear. I'd appreciate hearing it along the way. So Scott, what's bringing you joy this week? Pray tell. Okay,
1: shall I go first? Please do. Or do you want to go first? Okay, no. go ahead. Okay, I got, I got it here. So this is a what I've got is a book, but it's a little booklet actually, and um, I think it's think it's fairly new. I I just became aware of it. Yeah, it's copyrighted twenty fifteen, and it's called Christ Alone. Okay, and it's by one of the uh, by um colleague rod rosenblatt uh dr rosenblatt just retired from teaching here at concordia irvine but you know he's still very much his influence is still very much felt but this is a but this booklet christ alone is only let me see about you know it's about 50 pages long and they're small and he does he has a unique gift rod rosenblatt has a unique gift at expressing the gospel in in extremely clear language and working through the different and you know balancing on the gospel, but you definitely know you've heard the message and yeah. and I just think it's a great book. I, I I mean it's something that that you know if I had if I had a congregation, I would get a bunch of these and stock the track racks with them and hmm. or hand them out to the elders. I mean it's 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 it doesn't he does, does talk about how. You know, what are some of the dangers or, you know, what are some of the obstacles to preaching Christ alone that the church faces? Um, you know, that the, the message that and this would be a great thing to hand to someone who's searching for a church and hmm. they're not sure what to look for. If you want to know what to look for in a church, this book will tell you. Get Find someone who's going to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and that we are saved by Christ alone. And 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 he explains what that what that's like. Hmm. So that's awesome. my pick.
0: Yeah, it's great. Where do you, where do you, where do you get it, Scott?
1: okay it's um um i got it online it's from the fifteen seventeen legacy dot com oh, yes yep fifteen seventeen legacy dot yep. com they sell
0: it and and they publish it okay cool very cool i will um I will definitely get that in the show notes for people, and maybe I'll pick one up. You don't remember how much it is, or it's, any, it's anything. It's,
1: it's it's inexpensive. I think it's only five or six bucks.
0: Okay, and
1: and um, but there, you know, the Kindle version might have even been like ninety nine cents or something like that.
0: Well, that's not bad at all. Right, not bad right. at all. I like it. Right. I like it. Well, my pick is. Um, is kind of an interesting parallel it's a parallel universe pick scott uh and that is a podcast the name of the okay. podcast is good guys wear black and i'm uh, i'm looking it up i thought i had it up but i didn't uh there it is uh it is an eastern orthodox uh podcast actually ukrainian orthodox don't see too many of those around um but uh, it's a it's a podcast done by Father Anthony Perkins. Uh, Father Perkins is the rector at Saint Mary Protection of the Holy Theotokos Parish in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and the uh, director of vocations, associate academic dean, and professor at Saint Sophia Ukrainian Orthodox Seminary. Wow, that's, I know that's a big title. Uh-huh. And basically, what this what this podcast is they. have He's had about eight or nine episodes essentially, what this podcast is is the crux of the matter for orthodox priests I mean that's what he does is is he's picking is he's picking topics that that he thinks are of are of interest and things that things that priests should be should be looking at um the sub the subtitle for the podcast is a podcast for priests who need priests so nice. i mean it is pretty darn close and <laughs> it's funny and, and we, should, uh, we should reach out to them yeah i think it would be fun um yeah so he's he's done one on what's it like to leave a congregation did one on the law he, the last one he did was on antagonists in the church Perfect. and and he used the kenneth help kenneth help book on antagonists so uh, yeah. i mean it is it, it's really kind of funny to listen to just because I can imagine the two of us sitting there with him uh-huh. and, and having these conversations. Cause right. I mean, certainly there are some things that are unique to orthodoxy that don't particularly apply to us, but there's a lot more that really is a pretty direct parallel. That's fascinating. Now, yeah. does he do, does he do it all by himself? Um, it seems like it. Um, I, it will be interesting to see how long he does it that way. Cause I think it's, in my experience at least I think it's pretty hard to do a podcast solo. It really yeah. it, it you know you're either going to end up doing interviews or or something. We'll see. But um but Good Guys Wear Black um it's it's uh, it's actually a part of the uh Ancient Faith Radio or Ancient yeah, Ancient Faith Ministries. It's so it's on there but they also have a a website goodguyswearblack.org I think. And uh it's yeah, it's it's fun. And uh, and I uh, really enjoyed I enjoyed looking at it. And it's a great title for a podcast. It is, I, I it mean, is, yeah. If we'd have thought of that one, we might have <laughs> right. gone with it, Scott. Right. I'm gonna say.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's definitely worth checking out. I'm I haven't listened to it yet. I've seen it, but I haven't listened to it. Yeah. I look forward
0: to. Yeah, so that was so that's been fun. I've listened this is that I've listened to the last uh three, I think, and uh and I've enjoyed it. I will be interested to know. If there are other podcasts out there that are kind of pastor talk podcasts, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I haven't, um, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Lutheran podcasts out there. I mean, it seems like every week there's a new podcast that pops up, but, yeah. um, but I don't know of any others that are actually directed specifically toward pastors. No, But what me do either. I know?
1: yeah well, no, it would be interesting to to find out and you know I'm sure there would be one for Catholic priests Oh, no, definitely you know, i mean there's got to be there's gotta be
0: there's gotta be so we'll uh uh we'll uh, put the word out if any of our listeners know of any send them our way because uh I think that could be a very interesting uh interesting little circle of uh circle of people, yep, so anything else for our dear listeners, Scott? No, no, nothing new. Nothing new. All right. Well, okay. and with nothing new under the sun, I think that's the end of this uh, this episode. And we will hopefully see you next week. Take care. All right. Goodbye.